0: wow all right i'm ready whenever the boss is ready could
1: have had a whole baby (laughs)
2: jesus
0: (laughs) all right welcome to trade secrets 2024 excited to get back in the action here in january at the beginning of the new year Remember to like us or love us or share us on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, whatever your uh, app of pleasure is. We're excited today. We've got a stand-in. Had a little bit of a last-minute unexpected illness, but it gave us a chance to bring Alyssa, our latest team member, to the podcast today. Alyssa joined us about 10 months ago, and she is responsible for uh, business development and spreading the totem message out there, so we're excited to welcome her and give you guys, the audience, a chance to get to know one of our new team members, and uh, I think we're just going to free ball it and see what kind of questions she has, see what she's learned over the first 10 months, and see where we're headed over the next uh, year in 2024. So welcome, Melissa.
1: Thank you. It is lovely to be here today.
0: And I actually just learned something as we were getting ready for today. You actually listened or watched all of our podcasts before joining the team, correct?
1: Yes, because if there was going to be a quiz, I wanted to be prepared during my <laughs> interviews. And there was no quiz <laughs> there on There was the no quiz. <laughs> but um, I did learn stuff because I started at Totem, although coming from another commercial real estate company in a totally different role. So watching the various discussions on finances and taxes and all the other things you covered, especially in the early podcasts, was beneficial to me.
0: So tell us about your background. You said uh, a different type of real estate company, and actually two you were working for at the time. So... Give the audience a little sense of how you got to Totem and where you were just before and even your background before that.
1: Okay. Um, so I think actually this is a cool thing about Totem, or maybe it's commercial real estate in general, but everyone seems to come from a very diverse background. You know, everyone started in various... Uh, no, one, no, Most people didn't start in commercial real estate. They kind of took a winding path to get there. Sure. So for me... Um I went to college for broadcasting communications at Westminster and, my, and Is that
0: something they specialize in?
1: Um or is it's it- a very small private college so I think they're more known for things like teaching or their sciences but okay. um there was, you know, a, a very good broadcasting program there so I wanted to do that because I wanted to make documentaries for a living and that was great while i was in college in my little bubble and then as soon as i graduated and realized um, how complicated something like that was i changed courses a little bit Um, i worked for wpxi for a little while right after college on
0: screen or off screen
1: off screen in their operations department okay and then i moved to washington dc for a few years and i worked for national geographic channel I was their production and development coordinator. So I worked with the senior vice president of production and the various executive producers on the internal business side of what National Geographic was producing on their channel. So that was great. Um, my boss there was also named Kevin. So
0: it's a good name.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but since I'm from Pittsburgh and I wanted to be closer to my family, I moved back here. Um, and I took a job with a film and television studio in the Strip District that most people don't even know exists. And I was there for a total of like eight years. But and about That's called
0: Thirty First Street Studios. Thirty First right? Street
1: Studios. So still active. Still active. And is it the
0: largest film studio in the state, or? It, it
1: is definitely the largest one in the state. It's one of the largest ones on the East Coast. Okay. So. Uh, 250,000 square feet. So what I realized while I was there, um, first of all, that the person that hired me, he um, went bankrupt and sold that company to a commercial real estate developer out of town um, from New York. And those guys wanted to keep me operating the facility as their own employee. And once I started working for them, I realized how much of what I was doing was directly related to commercial real estate. Specifically, it was property management or asset management. Okay. But I didn't realize that until I was actually working for a real estate company. Then kind of...
0: So to frame that for the audience, so 31st Street Studios sits on 10 acres?
1: Mm -hmm, Around, yeah. Yeah,
0: 10 acres of immaculate riverfront property right in the heart of what's known as the Pittsburgh Strip District. Mm -hmm. So... As you mentioned, the studio, so the operating company, goes BK in like 2017. 17. Um, and the people who bought it, who were then your employer, mm-hmm. was a major real estate development company out of New York City, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. North River Company. And they when they purchased it, they hired me on as their own employee. And
0: um, and they're not a movie studio company. They're a real no, estate developer. Through they just through.
1: buy interesting real estate assets and they're long-term holders so they wanted to keep it operational as a movie studio until they could figure out what the next step was. So it was really informative for me because I started meeting with architects and engineers and people that were trying to come up with the ma- what the master plan was going to be for that property and I was just kind of in the background observing all of this because it was so new to me but in the meantime operating it as a movie studio. So it's very unique property and it's also an old steel mill. So it came with its own plethora of property problems sure. that we would have to deal with on a regular basis. And overall it was a very good introduction to commercial real estate. Um, but being a developer is very different than being on this side of the world with Totem as advisors. Um, so it's this has been a really, a, a much bigger difference than I think I realized it was going to be whenever I started working here.
0: Okay, and come back to that in a second, but I think just as a group we need to remember like a topic for another podcast is the covered land play, which is really what um, your employer, uh, North River, right, Mm -hmm. was doing. Like they were using an operating company as a covered land play because what they were really buying was land, but wanted to use the operating company to cover their costs. We could talk about that on another episode. Just.
2: Patient money. Yeah. Um, right. Operate it and carry it.
0: So what are the things that you've noticed that make you think that development is so much different than the advisory world that we're in? Or like what were the things that you didn't expect when you signed on with Totem? Which I know was a big risk for you, right?
1: It was. Yeah. It was, it was a tough decision just because i felt like i was leaving the safety net that i had built for myself in the last role Mm -hmm. to try something totally different um but i was excited about the opportunity too because i felt like it was a good move for me to get out of my comfort zone and to try new things and i was also just very excited about working in with this very collaborative team um so one of the differences um, let me think of how to word this. Um, when you're
0: there's nothing PC here, come on I, just say no,
1: it. no I, so when I was with North River Company, everybody wanted to work with us, you know we're, they were they owned a 10 acre multi-million dollar development project. Every engineer, any engineer, any broker any um, financial institution
0: Banks, like they architects were,
1: they were calling me <laughs> trying <laughs> to get a meeting with me or someone from my team and now I'm one of those people because they trying... thought they could
0: provide a service right, right, exactly
1: and now I'm on the other side of that phone <laughs> call <laughs> trying to make people do work for with us um, you know, just being the one that's providing the service um, so that's just kind of a little bit of a different mindset to get into, um, that not everybody wants to talk to you <laughs> as opposed to like, you know, you know it's just, it's different. Right. Um, and I, I didn't think about that. Um, and then something that you told Isn't
0: me- it more fun being the one chasing than the one being chased?
1: more fun <laughs> I like being needed <laughs> Um
2: have you ever been chased
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh candidly I hate the being chased part I'd much rather be the one chasing
1: uh, Well different personalities yeah. I guess <laughs> Um another difference which um I think about uh, every once in a while is <laughs> you whenever you, I first got hired by um, Totem I was like oh well I know this person and this. for I'm in this organization and that and I was referencing specifically like CRE related individuals like and industry industry related people. people and you're like that's great I don't really care <laughs> I need you to be in the opposite direction because we all know those people. They know us. We're not trying to necessarily, um, like, not that that it isn't good to mix and mingle within your own industry because that's definitely an important aspect of of your job. Sure. But we want to be in the room where those people aren't because that's how we're going to find clients because we're not trying to make the other um brokers or you know architect firms uh our clients like they are our peers but
0: our peers and our colleagues and they're we need to have relationships with right. them in order but it's to, a different kind of relationship it's a different kind of relationship so right
1: that was also surprising to me but it makes total sense but it, it threw me off whenever you first said it <laughs> so. makes sense That's definitely another big difference. Um, I was like, oh, I'm so connected. No, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's connected.
0: It's just connected in a different way, right?
1: So, yeah, those are the two things that kind of come to mind first.
0: Okay. So 10 months in, what kind of questions do you have about what you've learned or what you still need to learn?
1: So I think I'm going to ask – well, I'm going to kind of go all over the board. That's fine. Um. What is your approach? So, you know, whenever with with business development, and first of all, I think we should say that business development is a very broad role and it means something different within each company. Um, And that was also something that whenever I decided that I wanted to pursue business development for for my career, I met with probably 20 plus (laughs) BD people in the area that anyone that would take a meeting with me People who
0: are doing business development for all kinds of different companies. Mostly,
1: I mean, like, mostly in the commercial real estate world, just because I kind of figured that was where I was going to land.
0: Sure.
1: But outside of that as well, because people would say, oh, well, like, if you're interested in BD, you should also meet this person. Um, Business development for an architect firm is different than business development for like a technology-based company or it's just, you know, sometimes BD is more sales-driven and sometimes it isn't. I think for, you know, for the context of what I'm when I'm asking you these questions, just to define what business development means for Totem, um, since we're such a small company. And mm-hmm. I feel like most brokerages and advisory groups and like commercial real estate people that are doing what we're doing, they don't have their own business development specific person, everyone's required to do their own business development right. um, but we're we're pulled in so many different directions being so small that you hired me on for a specific reason, and maybe you can first tell <laughs> our audience like what made you decide okay we need to find somebody to do business development specifically for totem because I just think that's that's semi unusual for
0: for the industry, yeah. Us. I mean, I think it comes back to, and Michael, you can chime in, I, I think it comes back to the fact that we are a small team. We're blessed with a plethora of projects. Um, and when you're busy servicing clients, it's really hard to focus also on the future. Like you're so focused in the today, and the moment, in the giving great advice for what's in front of you that you lose sight of the opportunities that are happening outside of what's going on today. Um, And I think collectively as a team, we're great at servicing the client and understanding the real estate uh, challenges that they face, but our energy and time candidly, we just didn't have the resources to also be forward facing, thinking ahead, paying attention to what's around the corner next. Um, And I think, This isn't specific to Totem. I think just the industry in general, anybody who's been doing it for a long time will tell you the hardest part of continuing, you know, 20 years now for me, pushing almost 40 years for Michael, is never taking your eye off the ball of you're only as successful as the project right in front of you. And you need to constantly
2: be looking for the next one. Yeah, I think it's a, a question of A, bandwidth. You just get caught up doing what you have to do to service the clients that you have, but once you've put yourself in that arena, it takes away from I. my job is to go and meet other clients, my job is to go find other real estate needs or companies that are looking for that service, and then you have to throw in the element of, the gestation of uh, a real estate need is not like going into Seven Eleven and buying a pack of gum. It's Come not on. an instant uh, transaction. It's something that is done over a period of time. And it's easy to kind of just fail to recognize that this is a long-term thing, especially finding, uh, providing services that are reflective on strategies rather than transactions. So you have to develop these relationships of people that – have real estate needs or potentially will have real estate needs or need that kind of counsel that perhaps they're not looking at it in the right direction and uh, it's just an ongoing process and being a small company, which is great, you know pound for pound, I think we're a very productive firm mm-hmm. but um, you always you have to be everything, and it's always great to have one member of the team that is focusing on let's get our name out, let's tell people what we do, and then to continue to follow up with them because it's not the today, it's the over a period of time that they will realize, hey, you guys do something that we really need, and if you're so busy doing something else, servicing this client, you most likely would have missed that. Yeah, and I
0: think one of the unique things about our industry is the sales cycles a really long gestation. Mm. I mean, never like to consider ourselves salespeople, but at the end of the day we do need to um find new business. And I always say like an introduction today might be business eighteen to thirty-six months from tomorrow. So it's a it's not like Michael said, it's not like walking into seven eleven and making a sale that moment. It's uh continuing to beat the drum because you never know when it's going to happen and even when you do get hired
2: it's a it's a it's a long project right and i think the other part is that the people that we serve they might think this is what we do but they don't realize that there's this plethora of other services or ways that we look at how their business is operated and something that they think well i'm not focused on that i never would have even addressed that could be a potential uh, opportunity and it could be potential harm to that firm just based on their current condition. So when you, you try to work with them strategically, it just takes a much longer period of time and these things just, it's it's an ongoing concern. Yeah,
1: And I think that um, what you were saying, you know, like an introduction today could be business a year or two from now. That is... Been one of the biggest mental barriers that I've been trying to overcome since working here. Yeah. And fortunately, everyone at Totem has been extraordinarily kind and patient and supportive um, over the past 10 months of me being here because you keep reminding me that the work that I'm doing is not for nothing, even if it hasn't led to a specific business that I was aiming for. Um, but and
0: and do you think that today you feel substantially more attuned to the story of Totem? Yes, versus where you were ten months ago.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I whenever it was the very first I think week of working here, and I went to a a luncheon that we all we all attended, and. For some reason, we all sat at different tables. And I was like, <laughs> cool, I can do this. <laughs> and like, I didn't know anyone else in the room either. And I sat down and, and naturally I'm just trying to network and talk. And then I was like stumbling over my words. And I was like, I cannot talk about totem yet. Like, this is not a good place for me to be. Um, and I got really anxious about that. But now, you know, same group of individuals at a luncheon last week, like I could speak to Totem's mission and how we approach business just significantly more confidently. And I feel like people trust me a little bit more than they did at the beginning of 2023. Well, it's,
2: it's the networking aspect of everything. Sure. The more people you talk to about what we do and the more people we talk to about what we do, they're going to get a little bit more educated they're going to have a little bit more understanding and I, I think talking to someone today and actually have that turn into some type of revenue within two years that's kind of fast track to right, tell you the win. truth it really uh it the gestation is much longer than that but again it's residual it's ongoing and the other part that i think that is you accomplish a lot is the people that you talk to that you have no idea what the branches of their tree are going to go down to and they're going to be coming in front of someone and say, you know what that sounds like something that Totem could help you with you should talk to these people mm-hmm. and that's the Kevin Bacon connection that you have no idea how that's going to get there right. but it does sure. and that's the whole idea of When you're caught up doing everything else, you simply don't have that many hours in the day to make sure that you're getting that end of it.
1: Right.
2: What's next on your list?
1: Okay, so let's go away from BD-specific related questions. Um, What is the biggest professional misstep you took? And did you find a positive outcome as a result of it at the end of the day? (laughs) It could be... Specific to like, you know, commercial real estate or, you know, Michael, you did things before commercial real estate too. So if there's something that
2: Big, you think stuff. of. Well, oh, that's an easy thing for me to name. Oh, okay. It. 2007, um, I was the victim, not the victim. I didn't see the changes in the bubble. Mm. Like I said, real estate has long life cycle. It, it's a process. And I was doing a lot of development at that time. So ground that I had actually acquired in 2005, when things were going rather well, uh, there was a lot of money around, there was a lot of uh, lending, and this was all in West Virginia. I had three projects that were well underway, planned, financed, that I stuck a shovel in the ground in mid-2006. And if for those of you that are in this industry that can remember, 2008 was not the best year in the world for real estate. And I was basically three projects deep that were fairly large projects uh, that were being built. You couldn't go backwards. You couldn't pull time. So you you, you take uh, the timing of over a year, maybe a year and a half, I would have done some things completely different mm-hmm. because then I would have been in a much different position, but I had to actually develop my way out of those. And that was a long, painstaking progress, a, a process.
0: Yeah, I mean I think mine's easy too. I got wooed um, circa two thousand nine, two thousand eight, two thousand nine by Grubb and Ellis to go run their tenant advisory group for the state of Ohio. And six months later, they filed for bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. So my blinders were on. I was so, talking about being chased versus the one chasing. I was getting chased, and it felt good. And you start to fall in love with the fantasy of that you're better than you really are. And I didn't pay attention to the details and said yes. And then they filed for bankruptcy, and my world got turned upside down. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was easy.
2: Yeah, but each one of those challenges gave a lesson that is, it, it's priceless. Um, one of the things, timing has a lot to do with anybody's success. Um, I don't take blame for gas prices being $4 a gallon, and I don't take credit when they go down to 2 right. <laughs> So it's just the things that you have to notice and be prepared to understand nothing lasts forever. Things are going to change. And I think that just really helps in your outlook as you go along.
0: Yeah, that's definitely when I learned that I was never going to work for a big company again. Oh, I knew okay. that I would always work for an independent, nimble organization, mm-hmm. whether I owned it or didn't own it. I just knew I would never work for the, the, the man. man again. <laughs> <laughs> the man or the woman.
1: Um, okay, what is something that you are very disciplined about today that you... Um, think has helped you throughout the course of your career.
0: I think the thing I'm most disciplined about relative to the career is never settling for the easy out. Meaning, um in our industry there's a lot of times where you can hit the easy button. Like there's a solution for a client that is like the path of least resistance. You can hit the check book the check button client probably doesn't know any different and you can literally just move on to the next one but i'm extremely disciplined about never letting that allure of the easy button get in the way of forcing myself to think from all the different angles to see what we're missing to see what other opportunities even though they might be more complicated to get there they could be a better outcome so challenging you know the easy button or the status quo Like, if I'm disciplined about anything, I am disciplined about that.
2: I think that, I don't know whether you'd call it discipline, but it's a practice where I always try to see what's beneath the surface. I don't want to look at things topically. Um, I don't know whether you'd call that an easy button or whatever, but look at, here's what was originally presented to you, is there something that's a little bit deeper that value could be added and a service could be provided or an opportunity could be exploited? And a like lot of asking people- asking the next question. Yeah, yeah. Asking the next question. A lot of people think they have to move too fast. Now, someone might say you're moving too slow, but I think it's just more just looking at it from a a little more quiet perspective and you can say, okay, I see what you're saying to me and you're focused on this, but this is where the real problem is. And I think that's probably one of the true advantages I've had during my uh, profession. All
1: right. Um, What about... So... One of the things that we talked about whenever you hired me was we want you to get us into rooms that Totem is not already in. What has... His-
0: Nothing like throwing a challenge at you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Working on it. Um, <laughs> I think in some ways I'm starting to do that. You For know? sure. Um, but what has been historically your approach to being, to getting yourself into that room, you know, to date? Um I like to, since we were talking about musical theater earlier, borrow a line from Hamilton. Um, I want to be in the room where it happens. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Aaron Burr sings. And I actually took that in my head while I was looking for a job. Like I was, I was looking to be in the room where decisions were being made as opposed to being the outsider just casually observing. So how do you get yourself into the room where it happens?
0: I don't know, but I will tell you a total aside, and if you're out there listening you've got a solution, that would be great. I had an idea, courtesy of that song, from that musical, um, and I went to some software people that I know. Like, when you're in the room, so say you're at an event, there's like 200 people there. Mm -hmm. I want to know who's in the room that I actually want to talk to. So -hmm. it's almost like LinkedIn on steroids. So, like, somehow my phone was telling me, ding, 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 the people who check these boxes, i.e. CEOs, CFOs, like, they're in the room, and here's where they're at. And it's almost like you have to opt into it, mm-hmm. but it's my fantasy of, like, wanting to know actually when I'm in the room if there's someone in the room that yeah. is worthy of conversating with. Um, so if you can help me figure that out, that'd be great.
1: There's got to be a way that, like, conferences <laughs> could, like, somehow get into that Show technology. Me, yeah, like,
0: who's in the right. room where it happens, mm-hmm. right? Because I, I do think that that matters. Yeah. Um, I think I've always had a insatiable curiosity for what people are doing with their businesses as business owners. So whether it's a conference or a speaker, I am addicted to wanting to learn about the people who are making the decisions. So being comfortable in the uncomfortableness of going up to them and asking them about what's going on I mean, I I don't know that I have any other secret sauce other than just a pure curiosity that's insatiable. So even though we're busy, I still, you know, fascinate to get into the room where people are making decisions.
2: So, I I don't mean to be flip about it, but it's always more helpful to get into the room because somebody invited you. Mm -hmm. And how do you get invited? You find a way to tag along with someone and this might you might have to talk with five or f- six different guys or maybe even more than that and I don't mean guys but people that um, you can actually network through that are already there mm-hmm. show those people for how whatever reason that you you do have something to offer and it's a lot better to be in that room when you're invited rather than crashing it And I think, um, you
0: know, it's important to be in a room of something you're passionate about. You're passionate about theater. Go to the theater. Mm -hmm. Hang around with other people who want to be at the theater. Like, that is an important piece of the puzzle, I think, when you're in the room, but it's not genuine. You don't care about it. Like, you go to a country club, you hate golf. Like, it just doesn't jive, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So being in the room with people who are also in the room to experience life. Or parts of life that you're also interested in.
1: Well, that, and that's a good segue into what I'm going to say is my final question. Just so we're not getting Perfect. too long here. Um, I was going
0: to tell you tell you, you had two more. So okay, <laughs> so one's good. One more. Okay. Um so we've got one of, for you.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> so speaking of keeping things organic, which is what I'm kind of take what you just said to be how is, how would you suggest someone who's kind of... And I know we say we don't like to consider ourselves salespeople, but ultimately it is, you know, in alignment with what we're trying... Like, we are still selling our services to our clients. How do you learn to become less sales pitchy whenever you're first meeting someone as opposed to... You know, I I think I'm still kind of struggling. Not not so much in person, because I feel like in person you're able... I mean, I, I don't think... I have a salesy personality, but on a phone call to someone that I've never met before or in an email to a stranger, I think it's very hard for me to not come off as sales pitchy. So what is your approach or advice for me to not sound less like that?
2: I think on a phone call or an email, if you've never met these people, there's no way you cannot come off as somewhat salesy. Now there's a difference between someone who is explaining their expertise and someone who's selling you a used car. Mm -hmm. Um, We could go on and on on what those nuances are, but uh, I think that in situations like that, it's just listen more than anything. Listen to what they have to say and then when you have something to offer or something to get back with, A, if you can answer a question there, that's great. B, if you can't, you find the answer, and it gives you a reason to get back to them. And now it's not your first call, it's your second.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one, but I think uh, our guest last year, Jeremy Waldrop, summed it up, listen more, talk less. I mean...
1: Or as Aaron Burr says, talk less, (laughs) smile more. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Okay, that'll be... It for my question. That's a wrap on your questions. So we're gonna
0: give the audience the chance since you are a guest technically. You're not one of the three OGs for the podcast. Although you might be stealing somebody's seat.
1: I'm sure Paige would be (laughs) devastated. (laughs) She is serious FOMO right now. She doesn't even know
0: it. Um, so what is your personal not totem? What's your personal trade secret?
1: Um, so this might evolve after, you know, in 10 more years from now, but I would say- I think say, it's always
0: evolving, but today.
1: Yeah, so today, and this has been my little shtick for many years, um, ever since graduating from college, because I've always worked in, in in a job where people also wanted to work for that company. So I would always have people coming up and asking me, like, oh, like, how did you get into, like, especially with the film and television industry, like, how did you get your foot in the door? And um, I think it's all about who you know and how you present yourself to people. So um, my trade secret is just that you never know who you're going to meet. And so you've always got to have your A game on whenever it comes to your professional life. And my rationale behind that is because um, while I was... Um right after I graduated I was working for National or sorry I was working for WPXI and my family and I went on a vacation to the Grand Canyon and it was my mom my brothers and I we were on a tour bus with mostly retirees and us so I was I already knew at that point I didn't want to work in news and I needed to get into a different type of television programming mm-hmm and so all these people were like, oh, like, so what do you want to do when you grow up? And I was like, well, I want to work in nonfiction television and I want to do this and that. And I was very confident in my responses. And the one guy said, well, I'm friends with the CEO of National Geographic Channel. So do you want his email address? I said, I sure do. Right. And so I got his email address and I emailed him like the next week and whenever I got back from vacation and – I said, hey, I'd really love to meet you. Um, I would, working for Nat Geo would be a dream job, and I just would love to pick your brain and ask you questions. And so he invited me to D.C., and I came down there, and I sat and I talked to him. Um, he was this really cool Australian guy. <laughs> and I, I didn't get a job that day, but I got my foot in the door, and I just kept growing that network. Um, And I eventually came back to D.C. after meeting another person who invited me to attend a professional event. And that's how I got my job with National Geographic Channel. But so, so in a nutshell, my trade secret is that you never know who you're going to meet and you never know where your network's going to take you. And that's why you should always kind of be on your toes there.
0: Have your game face on every day. Have your
1: game face on and see how far it takes you.
0: Love it. I think that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us. It was a joy. (laughs) Well, it was a joy for us, too. We're glad you were able to pinch it. Uh, (laughs) It's an exciting way to kick off 2024. So, Yeah. Um, If you're out there listening, like I said before, check us out on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, YouTube, and uh, like us. Send in requests for topics. Like I said, uh, we learned today we're going to do covered land play at some point, and Uh, Trade Secrets 2024 is off to the races. So thanks. That's a wrap. Thanks.